Hey, everybody. Um, this is, if any of you missed episode 45 somehow, uh, this is uh, episode 46 is actually the second half of a very long conversation that Bert and I uh, had. I was forced to split the episode into two because it was too large to upload to Squarespace. So I'm just going to put them both out at the same time. So if you haven't listened to episode 45 yet, some of this might not make sense. You might want to go back and listen to that. So this is um, basically episode 45 and a half, um, but I'm just putting it out as episode 46. So without any further ado, back into the conversation. We're not heroes. It's just a podcast. We're not heroes. We're doing this for fun. We're not heroes. This is a podcast. We're not heroes. What are you fucking dumb? And we're back. We're back. We're back. We're back from uh, amidst, we are back. a midsummer night's dream at the Old Town Playhouse in Traverse City. <clears throat> should we dive right back into comics or should we? What did you think of the play? I really enjoyed it. I actually got a little teary at the end. Yeah, so did I. Okay. I, <laughs> I don't know why, but I did. Uh, I Part of it, I think, is I mean, the, the performances were amazing. The production was really good. Um, it was clearly a, a, a cast that worked really well together. I had mm-hmm. a blast, but I think part of it, and I was thinking this on the way home, I think part of it is Shakespeare. I think mm, part of it is yeah. those words. It's they're, they're literally like magic. It's these old, it's just old words on paper, but every new generation can b- still like somehow breathe life into them. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a production yeah. of a Shakespeare play that I didn't enjoy. It's true. Like even at like, I can hear. I, know, I just heard it on the, on the tip. Those birds' throat making weird yeah, noises. Um, even at like high, like high school level, if you if it's done earnestly, mm-hmm. I've always I always enjoy Shakespeare. Anyway, let we we finished our. Uh, it came from the short box. We finished our main conversation. So what else? What do we got to do to wrap up? We have to catch you guys up on a lot of nerdy stuff that we've done. So bird bird has the list in front of us. Bird, okay. what is our first topic of discussion? Television. Television. Or Netflix. Or what I did last summer. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we, we've been watching some TV shows. Which mm-hmm. one do you want to talk about first? Riverdale, which we fucking binged in one oh day. Oh my God. I think uh, it was two days, but seriously. Yeah. We watched, I think it, I think you're right. I think it was two days, but. I went into this going, didn't we just watch it on a whim? Well, yeah, we were. And I was like, this is going to be so dumb. We were I all, don't like Archie. We were all, for those of you who don't know, Riverdale is the television. It's a quote unquote television adaptation of the Archie comics universe. Archie, Betty, Veronica, Jughead, the whole shebang. But I put it in my list because I had heard it described by somebody as Archie meets Twin Peaks rated P, like a hard PG-13 bordering on R. Mm-hmm. And I was like, really? They're like, it's who the described it to you that Kevin way? Smith, I think. I think it was in a <laughs> podcast, but it was like, it's the darkest. It's like one of the darkest TV shows I've ever seen. And I was like, really? Okay. I mean, think about it. Jughead is in this version of 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 Archie. Jughead is a homeless kid whose mm-hmm. dad is a criminal and whose mom and an alcoholic. Yeah, whose dad is an alcoholic whose family's falling apart. Arch- his family literally named him Jughead. Archie's yeah, that's his and name. And nobody blinks. No, his he has a different name. They talk about it. He has a he has a real name. Oh, they mention it. They mention it at one point, but it, oh, everyone I calls recall. him Jughead. Um, Archie has an affair with an adult woman, so we deal with statutory rape in the first episode. Mm-hmm. 
there's mur- there are several murders in this show. There's that's a, what kicks the show off. There's a weird like pseudo incestuous family dynasty mm-hmm. thing. This show is f- truly <laughs> fucked up. Like Riverdale is really twisty and turny. Yeah. And yeah, we were just sitting around one night, and I did that thing that I do where I say um, like pick a number. I make you pick a number and then I click that number into our into my Netflix yes. list because yeah, my, mine's not that long. my list is like 300 something. So it's a good way to knock just pick something at random. And it was Riverdale. And we we're like, eh. and I'm like, play. So we're all sitting around. I think Alan and Aaron watched the first yeah. episode and then went to bed. And I think but by, by we the, just like looked at each other and we we're like, do you want to keep watching? Watch another one. And we watched another one and we watched another one. And I think we went to bed at like 4 a.m. Three or four, three or in, four the in the morning. And as soon as we woke up, we did it again. We started watching. Cut we paused off. I know. She's just being a bit little shitty. shitty <clears throat> but And you can't hear it in the audio. So oh, now it just oh, sounds good. like you're yelling for no reason. <laughs> okay. But we, we binged it in two days. And uh, we've heard that the second season's on Hulu. What? I'm gonna cut her paws off too. Do you want to let him out? No. What do you want to do? It's no, really distracting you. Um, we uh, so we watched it in two days. We the second season's on Hulu, but we've decided not to watch it on Hulu. We're just waiting for it to hit Netflix. Unless you want to go watch it on Hulu, because boy, you look so irked. <sighs> what do you have to say about Riverdale? I liked it way more than I thought it would. I would. Um, I was hooked from the get go. Mm-hmm. It's really good. It's a really good. It's a really, really good show. All the performances are exceptional. Um, it's really weird. Jughead's character goes from being like, oh, I'm kind of like a goofy loser. He turns into like a like a um, like a crime writer almost. He has like a real like hard hard bitten like Truman Capote and Cold Blood kind of book project going where he's mm-hmm. writing a book about this yeah. twisted town, <clears throat> Riverdale. I loved his character. And Betty's mom is like the local, like head of um, their local paper or something. Yeah. Like her and her dad have a really shitty, horrible relationship. And Betty's sister got knocked up when she was younger. Uh. And like... Oh, that was really mad spoilers. A, well, yeah, there's a ton of we we're to be as spoiler free as possible. This is about as far as we can go. If we want to keep talking about it, spoilers. So from here on in, everything we say about Riverdale will contain spoilers. So in three, two, one. What about the bit where Betty's mom reveals that her dad pressured her into having an abortion? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that Betty's father Betty's, pushed her mother. Right. Right. To have an abortion. To have an abortion. This when show they were teens is so fucked up, man. I'm telling you, this is not your dad's Archie comics. You know, this is the. It all hinges around the the death of I can't remember the character's name, but her brother, right? It's that yes. that guy. That boy dies. What's your name like? Scarlet or something? Maybe they're like they're maple syrup barons. Yes, her family. Oh my god! And the dad kills himself at the end. At the end Holy of the show. Shit. Well, that's this. That's a spoiler for the fucking season one finale, basically. But whatever. <laughs> that's the biggest. That's the second biggest spoiler we could have. I don't even want to <sighs> say the number one. But the last episode, you're just like, there's yeah. So if you think we've wrecked the show, there is one spoiler that's even bigger than that, which is like mind churningly you're like what the fuck did i just watch uh, it's, and but there's a weird cool like fun nostalgia factor to it too 
yeah, it's kind of like got a 1950s. There's a weird throwback Americana. vibe. It's set modern day, right? But there's a but there's like the diner where everybody goes. It has like the shakes. It has the booths there's that the, are the like the shimmery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plastic booths it's or like vinyl. A, it's a 50s mm-hmm. style diner, and then there's also. Um, there's also a drive-in movie theater, which is like being mm-hmm. de- f- fallen into disuse, being dilapidated, and it's going to be bulldozed. Mm-hmm. And I think it's cool that Jughead's character laments the loss of it mm-hmm. in a weird way because Archie mm-hmm. sort of stood for like 1950s American Americana nostalgia, mm-hmm. and Jughead's characters watching it all become like. Bleak I also and like corrupted. that the cheerleader costumes are kind of classic 1950s mm-hmm. style too. One of the things I really like is how the show unfolds. On when you first watch it, you get a few hints. You get enough hints to like hook you that things are weird here. Mm-hmm. But right off the bat, there's a there's like a really clean veneer to everybody and everything. Everything seems on the up it's and up. It's totally like that town in Edward Scissorhands where everything is like in pastels and all the lawns right. are like perfect. Yeah, or Stepford Wives. Just right. Like- Jughead is the only anomaly. He is like he's not having any of it. He's not playing by their rules. And it was exactly like that Edward Scissorhands town, if behind one of the doors there was a weird incest subplot like yeah oh my god if you've seen season one of twin peaks it is literally that it's like that it's that addictive it's it's you can't get off the train once you're on it riverdale was great what's the next show on your list <clears throat> riverdale's fucking awesome. la manta la manta was really good i didn't like it as much as riverdale but i thought it was pretty mm. pretty good what do you have to say about la manta i think you dug this oh, more than man. i did although i, loved I want everybody to watch this like i've recommended it to people and they're like uh, i don't want to watch it because it's got subtitles but seriously it is so good i'll do a brief overview do and it. then i will throw it to you do it it is basically about a famous serial killer named the mantis the film is a french film it was made in france directed by miniseries miniseries yeah it's not a film um it's i always want to talk about foreign films but it's a foreign miniseries so it is in french um the english subtitles are great and they're not hard to follow at all um so basically it follows made by netflix yes yeah it's a netflix Uh, Netflix original. original um so which is cool that netflix is doing originals in other countries they're becoming like a global network netflix is amazing netflix is the way of the future no shit but um Basically, it follows a serial killer, a female serial killer from the like 90s named the Mantis, 80s or 90s. 80s, They're not really sure when she I I can't remember exactly when she commits her crimes, but she's a female serial killer who kills men who are basically like weak or undeserving or some undeserving of life. Bad men. Yeah, bad men. And she kills them really brutally. So fast forward to present day, a series of copycat murders have cropped up and this uh, detective is put, he's an undercover like narcotics officer and he's pulled in to assist with the case and he's like what like why and they're like well we're not going to solve the, the mantis the original killer whose crimes are being copied has been she's offered her help i'm going to help you guys solve this i have some insight i think i can help you catch this killer but i have a condition i will only do it if i work get to work with my son and her son is the narcotics officer. And he's been estranged from her for like 20 years because she's a serial killer. So it's the, there's family drama, there's high serial killer. You de- there's definite um, uh, uh, Silence of the Lambs vibes. She is, her performance is its own thing, but there are definitely touches of Anthony Hopkins' Hannibal Lecter in there. The quiet, mm-hmm. reserved uh, nature, but she is and brutal. And it twists and it turns. It's twisty and it's turny. 
It is. There's a lot of uh, like reveals, and it is definitely a who. And you suspect totally different people throughout the thing. You're like, oh, it's totally that guy, and then you're like, oh no, it was totally that guy. Yeah. And then you're like, wait a second, I think it's somebody. Yeah, there's a lot of awesome red herrings in there. And some of my favorite stuff is her. She starts interacting with the killer. We're not doing spoilers, right? No. Spoilers free. Spoiler free. But some of my favorite stuff is she interacts with the killer occasionally. They would know that if she's helping them. Right, right, right. right, right. Eventually it's going to happen. So she does end up interacting with the killer. And you can't tell if she is helping the police or if she's trying to warn the killer about what the police might know or whether Mm -hmm. she's trying to help herself escape Mm -hmm. or whether she's trying to give the killer instructions Mm -hmm. all of the dialogue that she has all of her interactions are so well written and ambiguous that you can't tell what she's doing and everyone is suspicious of everyone it's fucking great and there's a lot of uh there's a lot of layers to it there's a lot of um, like we find out we dig into like f- the family history. We find yes. out why she did stuff. There's some pretty intense scenes. Minor spoiler. You guys can listen to this and it'll be like this is this is basically Stephen King went on Twitter and spoiled part of it. And that spoiler that he gave hooked me on the show. So this is not much of a spoiler. You guys, it's trust me, you can listen to this and it won't wreck the show. But there are some great kills in this show mm-hmm. the, the, there's some really mm-hmm. fucking gory stuff but not just so much gore as in like just tense deaths in episode one or two a guy gets stuffed into a locking uh industrial washing machine <gasps> oh my god the whole time it's like you are like, on the edge of uh, your fucking seat as they're trying to find this guy and he's literally being drowned in an industrial washer it's terrifying it's so like you're just your stomach is in knots. Oh, it's but that's that's as much as I'll say is they stuff a guy into an industrial washer and he's locked in and they turn it on and it's incredible. Um, and you actually see him or a dummy yeah, like I, going I, it's around. It's not a dummy. That's definitely like a stunt. Man. I definitely they put a stunt man in a washer. They, put, they did for sure. It's so cool. Nick, I need to pay race. Oh my god, it's such a cool <laughs> stunt too. It's it's great. I love movies. Okay. Um, Lamont's is really good. That's what all we should got? say about it. Yes, it's great. Lamont's is go good. Go watch it. You can't suck really, it up. You can't really talk much about it without spoiling I know. it. Okay, so um, and we are going back. Um, we're occasionally watching this in between our other shows. We've never seen it together. Uh-huh. Star Trek: The Next Generation. We've definitely talked about this on the podcast Have before we? because we've been watching it since Maine. But uh, mm, yeah, we're several. We got back to it. We're I think. several seasons into Star Trek: The Next Generation, and. I don't think we even need to say spoilers on this because it's 1990s that this came out. Yeah. <laughs> so this is, guys, this has been around long enough that spoilers. We don't even really need to talk about it, but I just, I love it. There aren't even spoilers. I don't even want to talk specific about specific episodes or mm-hmm. specific seasons, but I do want to talk about the show a little bit. Okay. Like, so you love it. I love it. adore it. What is it about the show that you love so much? The whole concept of it. I love the characters. I love the the dynamics between everybody. I love the adventuring and the like crazy hijinks kind of thing, the uh-huh. things that they get into. Um, it's just, it's such a well-written, cohesive show. It, they yeah. did such a really... they. The episodes usually knock it out of the park. The thing that I always come back to when I think about Star Trek The Next Generation as far as why I love the show is the fact 
that so many shows feature like a serial killer, you know, who's trying to be doing copycat murders or what name uh, criminal minds. It's all about mm-hmm. hunting down serial killers, mm-hmm. NCIS, mm-hmm. hunting down terrorists, law mm-hmm. people, firing guns. I love that Star Trek The Next Generation is about a science vessel yes. flying around. Yes, they get into some cool, like, high adventure stuff, but they it is They get into a, some scrapes and have to fight some people, but... Occasionally there's some fighting, but a lot of times they're the way that they get out of bad situations is by thinking their way. Yes! I love that it, when we're... Wa- like, some of the plots hinge on Wesley Crusher's science experiments going weird, or they're having equipment malfunctions while they're doing... while they're testing the atmosphere of a distant mm, star mm-hmm. system or whatever, yeah. you know, like... They, these are all scientists out trying to enrich the knowledge of humankind. Mm-hmm. That is a... Well, not of just humankind, but of the whole right. galaxy that's come together to be... Yeah. This, like, cohesive... The, alli- the alliance. Alliance. Yeah. It's the alliance of worlds and alien races and stuff. But just the fact that... The fact that they... Um, that there's a show where you you don't need a violent protagonist or a or even a, there are the Romulans are an ever present you know violent threat yeah. but they're not they're only in like five episodes in the first four seasons or whatever yeah our our main character is a pacifist really when you get down to it Picard yeah no not at all you don't all. think so I no think so. he the the philosopher that he is always talking about William James is. Not a pacifist, but William James is very much into um, t- uh, in his. A lot of his philosophies have to do with taking all possible information and all possible views into account, and allowing for that possibility, and then using logic, but also your own personal morals and values to sort those things out. He he never like jumps to like let's blow him up. He's always like let's. You know, de-escalate the situation. No, but he, if we can, let's. But he compromise. There, yes, but there are moments where Picard says, you know, like, "All right, fire photon torpedoes, lock on target." He's you know, like, still a, a ship's captain. So I would say that rather than he's he's a peaceful man at heart. He's a scientist, and he's mm-hmm. a he's a very philosophically aware person. But I would also say that I think more so Picard is a measured man. Of strong principles, yes, yeah, he's so good to watch. He's so this much show fun. aged really well. It did. The first it's season not is like a little weird, but the first Star Trek, where you're like, oh, this is really campy, and you've never seen the first Star Trek. Yes, I have. Really? Yes. You've watched the first, the yes. original series. Really? Yes. I d- did not know that. My you... mom's like the biggest Trekkie. Really? You've told me repeatedly that you've never seen the original series. No, I have. Kirk I don't like Spock. it. Oh, wow. That's a bit of a bummer. I like Spock, but we'll I don't have like to, Kirk. We'll have such to re- a hothead. revisit that at some point. What else you got? Movies. What have we seen? Black Panther. That is true. Black Panther. You know, we never watched Wonder Woman. Two years of our friends asking us to watch it specifically, so we talk about it on the show. We've still never seen it. Uh, um, okay, Black Panther, go. I loved it. I I've been waiting for it to come out since I knew it was going to come out. I know you did. I know. That's great, but we need to dig into it. So um, give me some digs. It was all my wildest fantasies come true. In wh- I got to see Michael B. Jordan with a shirt off. That's your wildest uh, fantasy. Uh, I'm no. It's one but, of one I mean, of your I'm not mad about so, it. But, but what in particular? <laughs> What specifically, other than Michael B. Jordan's rocking bodacious bod, what what else did you like? I know. There's nothing else to talk about. What else did you like about it? Um, 
I loved all the strong female characters. I loved the portrayal of women. Mm. I love that. Um, is it Shuri? I'm not sure. It's the been a while since of, I've seen it. A long um, time. T'Challa. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the, she's like the scientist doctor she's type. She's so character. cool. She's so smart and she's so capable. She and is she's very just cool. on top of it and she knows her shit. Mm-hmm. And she's I, she's she knows she's smart and she's a little bit, but she's still a she's not like a. Um, I'm glad that they didn't make her like a like a wise youngster. Like this, she's not really know it all either. She is though a little bit, and but that's not what like I, an annoying. Oh, way. but that's what I like about her though, is that like when um, the FBI agent, no CIA agent, when he the CIA agent wakes up and she's like, and he's like, you know. Hey, like, hey, where am I? Huh? Like, what healed me? And she's she's basically like, our technology did. You stupid mainlander. <laughs> I like that she's a little bit feisty and fiery and talks a little shit now and then, and that she's really um, uh, secure in the superiority of Wakandan technology mm. and culture. Yes. Yeah. She's very like pro Wakandan mm-hmm. in a weird way. Yeah. Um, I'd have to watch the movie a couple more times before I could do like a really deep dissection of it. But I, mm-hmm. I liked that a lot that she was that she was smart and her mind was the most important thing. I guess it's more of this. But she can fight generation. too. Like she's not all brain. Mm-hmm. Like when it comes to needing she's brave. to fight. She's not the best Maybe fighter she's a little in the headstrong. world. Yeah, she's not the best fighter <laughs> in the world, but she's, she's definitely brave. She didn't sh- shirk a fight. Yeah. If I had one complaint about that movie, it would be that. Is that there was a lot of fighting war and combat and it, it, I, I kind of liked, I mean, you have to, I guess, because the standard, do you want to pause? No. The standard, um, the standard mode of movies is to create conflict, right. especially visual conflict. But uh, I really liked their, and I'm, I'm assuming other people would find that type of movie that I wanted to see, which is like, hey, let's explore Wakandan culture. Oh my God, no, I would be, I would be all there for that. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> like, like, show me your artists and show me like yes. a, like, I'll follow around. Like, I want to see the history of Wakanda. Take me through that little, the little ride that exactly. everybody goes on. I would do weekends. like. I would do like uh, the like the sequel would be like uh, Wakanda, a people's history, directed by Jim, co-directed by Jim Jarmusch and Spike Lee. You know what I mean? Like that's what I want to see. Um, speaking of directed by Spike Lee, this movie had a lot of amazing musical choices for the soundtrack. You're blanking on the soundtrack. Yeah. Really. All hip hop music completely. Oh, the yeah, whole movie good. was like, I mean, there good. was like some like score stuff, but the soundtrack was very like hip hop and rap heavy. I, I loved that it was a celebration of African culture. Mm-hmm. I loved that. It's high time we had a movie like this, and I think it knocked it out of the park. There were a couple people who you had mentioned this to me. There were people who complained early on when we were getting production photos of Black Panther because uh, all of the, like, they took many different parts from many different tribes and just threw them all together. And some I people, was concerned about that, but I went and I did some reading uh-huh. about how they did it and why they did it, who is in charge of doing it, and I feel okay about it. I understand it. Right. Well, I mean, we've never, um, I don't think we've explicitly talked about it on the show. I've, I've put it in our show notes several times, but we, we've definitely never discussed it, but about the whole like cultural appropriation thing. Mm -hmm. And a lot Mm -hmm. of people were worried that they were going to take like 
all these things that were like, you know, just blanketly all caps African Mm -hmm. without respect to their various cultures that they belong to and just throw them in a big like melting pot so that the directors could be like, look, we made an ethnic film. Right. But that's not what they did at all. Right. For starters. And yeah, once they um, explain like the different tribes within Wakanda and their different personal tribal styles and their um their lineage you know the things that they bring to this collective that are distinctly them then it made sense that all these different characters had had different these different african uh, markings or clothing or or, yes or the body modifications body modifications and different colors and some people had headdresses and some people didn't Mm -hmm. um I like one thing that I've always thought was kind of strange and maybe is not a conversation for today because our episode's running really long anyway. Mm-hmm. But um, I had an argument about Black Panther while I was at work, like the day or two after I saw it. And someone was arguing that a lot of the stuff in Black Panther was called like uh, like a sort of weird, like um, gilded cultural appropriation. Where they were saying like uh, like Michael B. Jordan comes in and immediately starts like like rocking the like rocking the the trappings of Wakandans. He like, starts dressing like them, and mm-hmm. then when he comes to America, he was saying like like he was a character between worlds, and mm-hmm. if he's gonna be true to himself, he should stay dressed as like the the street kid that he grew up as, and like mm-hmm. he should have come in that way and. There was some stuff about... I can't remember what the exact argument was. Again, we saw this movie like months ago and we should have recorded then. But uh, um, yeah, I just... I always thought that it was strange. The whole... I I always thought of... Anyway, your face is saying, moving on. No, no. um, I just have a comment on this. I was reading somewhere in some forums or like Tumblr or something about this discussion about black people wearing American black people, African-Americans wearing things from specific tribes in Africa and whether or not that is cultural appropriation and if they're allowed to wear it or not. And the argument was made that a lot of most of 90, whatever percent of the black people here in America were brought over as slaves and have no idea what their actual lineage is. So denying them the ability to latch on to a tribe that may or may not be theirs is not ours to judge so they should be allowed to appreciate african culture as they will so i read an article not too long ago and i so what's your take on well right there you said it's not our place to judge so that's you've created an us and them dynamic and i'm just curious i read one i read two articles at work when we were super slow one said uh white people here's why dreadlocks are not okay and the other one was mm. yes white people you can wear dreadlocks and it was two two opposing viewpoints on whether or not white people were allowed to wear mm-hmm. dreadlocks or whether that was cultural appropriation my oh sorry go ahead oh boy um i did a lot of research on this actually at one point because i really wanted to have dreadlocks mm-hmm. um And really, I think it's just pretty much two people's opinions. Okay. I don't think it is exclusive to one culture or another, whatever. Um, There may or may not be evidence that... um, Tribal people in yeah, the, Scotland or the Ireland... The fairy locks argument has been pretty um, soundly debunked, but... Vikings... 
Um, but I, I read claims that like white people hair, quote unquote, does not lock and that black people's hair is designed to lock. That's not true. And I just but think it's the most ridiculous thing ever. Here's the thing that I have always said, and we've talked about this privately, is I think cultural appropriation as a concept is really harmful and sort of destructive for the for just us as the human race. It's another because well, that's the fine line between appreciation and appropriation. Right. But I've always I've always railed against boxes of all types and kinds, because I think once we're if because I think that what a lot of people call cultural appropriation is a way to immerse yourself and understand and appreciate a culture that is not your own. We could have the same conversation about body modifications or wearing the bindi. We could. But like what I because, would. Oh, go ahead. I think dreadlocks are something like certain piercings and body modifications that have become so common and prevalent that I don't think really you can claim them anymore because it's just it's part of our group thing. Right. The the world thing. What I'm kind of what I always kind of think of is if you discover if you discover an element of a society or, or of a culture, or if you discover a, a totality of culture that speaks to you and moves you and and you and and enriches your life and ignites your senses, mm, I'm thinking specifically like, of well, like think Buddhism. I was gonna say like the Japanese code of honor, like the samurai. Right, sure, that's another great example. But if you so if you discover like the the the, the rules and laws and strictures of Bushido. And you're like, this would improve my life massively. I love this. And you become a strict follower and adherent of Bushido. And you study it and you, it, it has now become part of your life. If you were to like wear the traditional garb, if you were to learn Japanese and like light candles for your ancestors. And I'm, I know I'm blending together now like Shintoism and Bushido and things like that. But I'm just saying we should be allowed to blend together Shintoism and Buddhism and create like our perfect selves using what's come before. The, to, to tell someone like when, you know, to tell someone, hey, I see that you've found a culture and found teachings and found a religion and found, um, you know, cultural trappings that have enriched and fulfilled your life and have expanded your realm of experience and increased your understanding of your fellow man. And your empathy and your and people. Right. And your empathy for other people and possibly for uh, like opened channels for relationships and for and for a deeper cross cultural understanding. However. You were born in Michigan and are white. <laughs> so you're not allowed to do any of that. What we need you to do is put on your flannel shirt and cut your tree down and enjoy your maple syrup and drink your PBR. Right? Like to to shut the door on such a wide, uh, uh, such a uh, wealth of right. experience. And who exactly, if we are making boxes for people, who gets to decide who gets to do what? Well, so far it's been the cultures sort of policing themselves because it's it's like but from person to person there are differing opinions. Like one person can one person will say, "Oh, you can't have a lip disc, but you can have this other pierce this other lip piercing from the same culture because everybody else has it well, or there, whatever." There's a term that I think explains why people behave this way. Um, it's I can't remember the exact. It's a small. It's a short phrase, but it is the origin of the term mafia. In Italian, there's a phrase that they have uh, that's that literally translates to this thing of ours, 
and it's fiercely protected. That's why there is this oath of omerta in the, the mafia, which is once you're in it, you can never leave it, and you cannot, you can't talk about it, you can't share it. It is is our thing. You have to work to be a part of it, and once you're a part of it, it's it's a bond thicker than any other. And I think in a lot of ways, when you have especially persecuted minorities mm-hmm. or persecuted cultures or perse- persecuted religions, those groups of people, when they see someone else come over and they're like, you know, hey, hey guys, what are you doing over there? That looks, that looks pretty. Oh, like I love Native American religious rights right. as a group, you know, yeah. as a whole, not specifically. I think it's a beautiful religion, uh-huh. but I mean, I'm a 32nd whatever I am. I don't even know. Right. Um, so I don't feel like I can be like, oh, hey, I'm one of you guys. Can I come join this thing? Plus I am white as all get out. Well, that's what I'm, that's what I'm getting at is if you come over to a group and they're doing something and that thing that they're doing or the way that they're living or the teachings that they adhere to, like click in your brain and ignite you and, and make you more than you were. And you come over and you're like, Hey guys, that looks pretty cool. And they all turn and they go, no, that's, that's what, you know, like, oh God, do minorities do this within themselves or is it just against white people um i'm not sure and i'm not positive that it's all against white people like i i think that oh go ahead go ahead i also was wondering semi-recently why aren't like asian peoples considered minorities have you noticed that Mm. like they're not considered people of color i actually heard that the other day why um i'm not entirely sure i think there's i think some of it i mean china for example has one sixth of the world's population i mean but they don't live here where's here the world the united states oh i think it's because as far as the world is concerned they might not necessarily be a minority but i'm not sure i see i think i don't think in those terms necessarily i think that because literally the pigment of your skin and the subtle structure of the collagen that forms like the shape of your eyes and things like that has nothing has nothing to do with anything except the amount of sunlight that your ancestors got that's why black people are black and why white people are white so but that's like the whitest white guy argument what? what? I don't understand. <laughs> the The argument that that race sh- race and culture shouldn't matter because they're just drawing more divides between us, and that everyone should be able to experiment with everything if it enriches their life and increases their empathy. That's yeah. a shitty white guy argument, really. Yeah. Any anybody who would argue against a cohesive world culture, what? Go ahead. I'm. I'm- <laughs> I'm being crickets. Well, I'm just saying a cohesive and empathetic world culture, really. I'm I'm with you. Okay, I think everybody should be quote unquote colorblind. Well, I I also I also know that saying things like I think cultural appropriation as a concept is damaging, and we should be allowed to experiment and explore other cultures. I know that immediately I get I get (laughs) shouted down on every corner and crack of the internet. Maybe we should just move on. Do you want to? Yes. Okay. Well, I was just I wanted to touch really quickly because you said the Native American thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Can you imagine what America would be like if the first people who came to America, rather than exterminating the indigenous people of America, had uh, Mm. taken a moment to explore what their culture was about and taken their lessons and shared our lessons with them? Or do you or is that like almost crying because it's such a beautiful idea and it could have been so great, but it was so bad. Or it could have been, or it could just be a shitty white guy argument. I don't know. What's the next thing? I'm sorry. This, I get really worked up about this subject. 
and and we want to know what you think. So go ahead and <laughs> go ahead. And I feel like I'm going to be demonized <clears throat> in the comments of this, but that's okay. I just think what I think. So yes, we can either talk about D and D, or we okay. can talk about our latest projects. Uh, let's. We've started playing D and D. We played one session. We're gonna play two more this week. That's pretty much all I've got. Oh, okay. I, we're not that far into it. Super so excited let's, about it. Yeah, if we get super crazy down down the rabbit hole, we'll talk about it more. Okay, so let's talk about our projects. Go ahead. All right, you are doing a podcast called Measuring Flicks. I am. Want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Uh, I'm doing a. It's a deep dive film appreciation podcast that I do with a friend of mine uh, named Carl Hartley. It's called Measuring Flicks. It's on iTunes. It's on my website. And it's on several other websites that I didn't put yeah. it on. So I don't know. I think it's podcast aggregators that are just grabbing episodes. And they did the same thing with them. us. They did. Yeah. Chapman and Robbins on a few sites I didn't put it on. But that's fine. More people, more ears. I'm, I'm all fine about with it. it. Um, so with Measuring Flicks, what Carl and I do is we pick a theme for each month. Uh, 12 months is a season. And then we pick four films, one a week in that theme. Every three months... We take all those films and pit them against each other to determine the winner. And at oh. the end of every year, we take the top four films and do a shootout to determine what our favorite film or the best film of the year was. We're probably going to do best film and favorite film, and we might do some fun subcategories. But it's, it's a way to measure films against each other, measuring flicks. The fun thing about measuring flicks is we're not watching movies, for the most part, we're not watching movies that our listeners have seen. We're not watching all the new releases. We're not, not wa- watching Oscar bait. We're not watching Oscar bait. We're not watching. We're pretty much completely avoiding Marvel movies, DC movies, comic book movies, unless they're really weird. If we ever do watch a comic book movie, it'll probably be The Punisher starring Dolph Lundgren from the 80s. You know what would be fun? What? To do a crossover with Carl about a nerdy movie. That would be fun, but it would have to be a really obscure, like we'd do like Red Sonia or something or Tank Girl. Red Mullet. So what we're, yeah, so what we're, what we're doing with Measuring Flicks is we're watching movies that are a bit too obscure for most people. We're watching some art house films. We're watching some like independently produced or indie film gems that slipped under the radar. Uh, And then we also have a Patreon where we're doing it's almost like a concurrent show because we're doing almost as many Patreon episodes as we are main season episodes, which is pretty intense workload. But we're uh, over there. We're watching films that might be a bit too extreme for mainstream mm-hmm. audiences. But we're also doing um, sequels. I sat in on your we're, first one. Yeah, I was going to say we're currently doing a Patreon series with you right now where we're sitting down with you, outspoken feminist wife of mine. Uh, uh. And watching all of the I Spit on Your Grave films back to back to back to mm-hmm, back to back. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, um, they're really fun so far. Um, yeah. It's like 10 minutes of laughing and joking, <laughs> like 30 minutes of just really awkward, abject silence uh, during the middle portion of the film, which is almost invariably a super brutal and prolonged rape scene. That's just the structure of these horror films. And then back to laughing and joking for the last 30 minutes as our heroine who has you know, returned from this horrible ordeal she's been through to fucking slaughter and murder and kill everyone who's wronged her. So measuring flicks has been a lot of fun in our main season. We're do we did a month of Westerns. We did a month of films about people going mad. We're doing, um, we call it we're doing a blue valentine month which does not feature the film blue valentine <laughs> at all but it's just um sort of downbeat love mm, move, romance films gotcha we're doing a month of sofia coppola we're doing a month of robert downey or not robert downey jr robin williams 
So, you know, we should do a Robert Downey Jr. We should, but not his weird Iron ones. Man. <laughs> no, we should do like uh, Less Than Zero, Chaplin, um, The Singing Detective, stuff that people have. Kiss, haven't. Kiss, Bang, Bang. Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. But people might have seen that. Like, what we're trying oh, to. But it's so good. It is. What we're trying to do is movies that people haven't seen. And we, I'm not kidding, we go deep in these movies. We pull apart cinematography. Dive, dive. Oh my dive. god! We did uh, we did two hours on the Searchers. It was fucking incredible. Jesus. We really pull these movies apart, and we talk about their cultural significance. Blah blah blah. <laughs> That's pretty much my big project right now. I've been trying desperately to start writing something again, but writing's not really happening for me. It's kind of bumming me out. Music's completely on hold, so I'm really not doing anything constructive but podcasting these days. And uh, I'm having a lot of fun with it, though. I'm having some of the best conversations in my life about art. And cool stuff. So you should go check that out. Measuring flicks. Bird, what are your projects? Uh, well, it's not so much a project as it is a business. I started my own business last August. Um, honestly, it's not so going so great, but you know, it's the first year. Small steps and slow starts, you know. Um, but it's really exciting to be able to say, oh yeah, I started a business and I am an artist and I'm doing this thing, and it's just. It's been a lot of fun. I made a bunch of goals for myself that I'm totally not going to meet, but I mean, old college try. It's good to have goals. <laughs> Where, um, if people want to see this business of yours or oh. support oh, you yes. in all of your artistic endeavors. I have a website, okay. theartistbird.com, or I recently, a couple months ago, started a Patreon. So patreon.com backslash theartistbird. The artist bird, B I R D. Bird, yes, sir. I have some pretty awesome perks, if I might say so myself. I also have a Patreon, and mine it works differently than yours. Right, mine is every month. I well, also give yours. You something. Also, yours is you and your art, your um, your visual arts, and that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I'm doing mine as a catch-all. Um, so like mine is uh, patreon.com slash I think it's just Max Peterson. I'm pretty sure. I'm about 100% sure that it's Max Peterson. You're ridiculous. I told you to get your shit together before we did this. I'm fine. It's technically, okay. I think it's it's live, but I haven't. I'm sure d- you can search your name and find it. Yeah, it's patreon.com slash Max Peterson, but I'm using mine as a catch-all. So there are, because, you know, Patreon is a, it's a. Basically, it's like a it's an ongoing crowdfunding website where basically people can become patrons of their famous favorite artists or famous artists, you know, famous artists. Um, So you go on there and you pledge a small amount either per month or per thing that that artist produces. And what mine is, mine is there are rewards on there and goals on there for measuring flicks. So you can go and get like bonus episodes of measuring flicks or little mini series like we were doing with you, mm-hmm. with the Espen on Your Grave movies. But also it's a place where people who are fans of the music that I do or the films that I do or the stories, poems, um, visual art, experimental medium, anything, any artistic thing that I do you're going to be releasing albums on there right I'm, for digital download yep i'm released cool. i'll have two two albums coming out on there over the next several months for digital download uh, we're going to have like big stretches of uh, measuring flick stuff we've been kind of talking about whether or not to incorporate chatman and robin on there or just keep it a simple thing on its own i think we should it's we're not sure but we're we're talking about it definitely so basically it's just a place to support 
the artistic stew that I do. And I'm, I'm Rat Bird does hers per month. I'm doing mine per thing because I know that occasionally I lapse into periods of long laziness and don't put anything out. I mean, so do I. Right. So, but I like, <laughs> like the, right I, now. yours is like per month works good for you because it goads you into doing stuff. I think with me per thing, I'm very self-motivating rather than people being like, Hey, you need to do this. I'm like, yeah, I'll get to it. But when I'm like fired up, Fuck you. when I'm fired up, I do my shit. So, so every time I produce something, it's a, it's a way to make sure that you're there for it and helping me make it happen. Um, one of the things that I think Patreon will help both of us with mm-hmm. is funding larger projects. Mm-hmm. Like I'm really hoping that I can build a film budget by putting out stuff fairly regularly for about a year on Patreon. If I can get enough uh, get enough backers, get enough people interested, I can use that Patreon money to fund a film. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like I've been um thanks guys, I've been upgrading some equipment. <laughs> yeah. Your studio's looking really nice and I you've been putting out more art since you've gotten a little bit of a better setup. I think you've been getting more pages done on the Oracle mm-hmm. deck lately. Anyway, that's all the projects I have. Do you have anything else? Nope, that's it. All right. It's been a super super long two it's over two hours <laughs> we did a well over two hour podcast today. that's insane i think i'm, I'm gonna surprised i think i'm gonna put it up on cut too that's fucking crazy long uncut. anyway i'm not sure maybe i'll break it up this is intensely long <laughs> all right anyway um we're gonna get back at this more regularly and since we're caught up now future episodes should definitely be shorter or will definitely be shorter than this this is a bit of a bit of a marathon anyway um that's all for chatman and robin this week and we'll hopefully see you next week. Um, I'm Max Peterson. And I'm Bird. Holy podcast, Chapman.